It is so good to be back with you. I missed you, you know, and I miss this. I mean, what an incredible privilege that God gives me to stand up and open his word almost every week. I want you to know, sometimes it terrifies me. Even being away, uh, I started thinking and reading books and dreaming about you and us and what we can do for the kingdom. And, you know, I started thinking about how much there is to know about God. I mean, how much to digest of his word and try to live godly lives. And I got to tell you, honestly, sometimes I pray and say, God, were you really thinking when you put me there? I mean, these people, they're precious to you. And we need to know who you are. We need to know your word. Thank you for the privilege. And so I want you to know I'm journeying with you. I really am. I got so much to learn. There's so much to do. But can we do it together? And can we just say, let's just, let's just see, this is God's word. What a privilege it is. We're God's family. What a privilege it is to be a part. Let's journey together. Stay with me. I'll stay with you. You know, work with me and I'll continue to work with you. And, and all for God's glory. What a privilege it is. I missed you. I missed this. All right, let's look at God's word together. We're going to go to one of uh, Paul's letters, uh, the letter of uh, Philippians. And we're going to look at one verse. There's a parallel verse in Ephesians. We're going to look at Philippians 3.20. Um, if you want to see a little bit more of Paul's thinking on this subject, Ephesians 2.19. And let me encourage you to pick up the preceding and following verses on both those passages. It's incredible stuff because we are citizens of heaven. Paul's going to remind us of who we are in Christ. And it's so incredibly beautiful that we're going to take this one verse. We're going to unpack it today. So you'll turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have it, the word should appear on the screen behind you, or behind me. Uh, Let me remind us that this is God's holy and errant word. Because he loves us, he's given us this. What a privilege it is. God's word says this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, it is so good. It is so good to be in your presence with your people. We are so thankful for so many things this morning, Father. We are thankful for a country that we can worship you freely. Father, we're thankful for a church that we can come and, and be a part of. Father, we're thankful for your word. But God, we're, Father, we're so thankful for your son. Because On our own, naturally, we're so alienated from you. Our our sin has disqualified us. And yet we see through the inspired word of Paul that we in Christ are citizens of heaven. And we eagerly await seeing you one day, Jesus, face to face, to hold you, to see the nail scars, to hear your voice, to be embraced by you. Oh, we long for it. We wait eagerly. But God, we got to know what to do while we wait. Because we are yours. It doesn't say we will be citizens of heaven. We are your citizens in Christ Jesus today. So because you're so gracious and because we're yours, would you send your spirit into this room? and Just let us have ears that hear from Jesus. Minds that understand what you would have for us, Father. Spirit, would you give to us a soft and pliable heart 
And most importantly, we ask that we would be not just hearers of your word, but we'd be doers. That our feet, Father, we would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. The things that I say that are merely my opinion are wrong, may they quickly be forgotten. But Father, the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of Jesus, would you use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior? And we pray this in his powerful name. Amen. 4,300 miles. 4,300 miles is what my family and I traveled together on the American highways this summer. 4,300 miles together. How would your family do? A lot of interesting things happen when you're together that much. And by the way, so many things I'm so thankful for. I've never spent as much time on the highway seeing the beauty of this land, being in awe of God's creation and what a privilege it is living here. But I've learned so much about our country in those 4,300 miles. I've learned so much about my family. I've learned so much even about myself. What an amazing place we live in. Have you traveled it? Have you gotten out and and seen the beauty of God's creation? You know that I have taken 1,000 pictures on those 4,300 miles. And we're going to look at most of them today, okay? So, (laughs) no, we're not. Maybe a couple. But I got to admit, spending that much time on our highways, some of them big and major, some of those rural and podunk, I was pretty proud to be an American, pretty proud to be able to have the freedom to roam the way that our family did, pretty proud of the diversity of our country. And that pride of being an American probably culminated on one summer night in a little town called Auburn, New York, at a single-A New York Penn baseball game. We go every year. I mean, it's the low of low of professional baseball. I still think I got a chance of making their team. I want you to know right now, all right? And they have that little gun in the back where they see how fast you throw. And I'm like, can you report that to the coach in the dugout right there? I think I might want to pitch the next game. And they never asked me to. And, but listen, they're dollar dog nights. And it's just American pie. And we went for the firework night. And it was awesome. It was just so awesome to see. And I, I do have a couple of pictures. And during the fireworks, they just played a couple of songs. That, it's just so proud to be American. Why don't you look with me? This is a little bit what it looked like. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that.
wouldn't you be excited? I mean, there it was. There you are in this little town. There's baseball, fireworks. And yes, I know, you're going to be singing that song all day. <laughs> Let me just apologize right now. It really is. It's a catchy tune. But as Christians... Paul says something to us very important here in Philippians. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. As Christians, we should be singing together as we do, but not just here, but out there and everywhere we go. You know, I'm proud to be a Christian where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the Savior who died, who gave that right for me. So that you and I, sinners deserving God's wrath, can receive his love, his mercy, and be called into his family, to be his own, to be adopted in, to be given all the rights of a son and a daughter, to be lavishly loved. Oh, I'm so proud to be a Christian, where at least I know that we're free, and oh, to be citizens of heaven. What an incredible privilege. Well, I'm going to go through a couple of those privileges, and you'll see in your bulletin, there'll be an outline if you want to follow through, of what it means as citizens of heaven, as we realize what Paul is telling us, as this seeps into our pores, we realize as citizens of heaven, what will we found? Wow, what a treasure we have found. The first thing is this, we found our identity. Ultimately, we have found our identity with him. Katie and I this summer celebrated our 20th anniversary. I know what you're thinking. You look at us and say, would they get married at 10? Um, But it's been 20 years. And not to give away Katie's age, uh, she is older than me. You can tell that by the way she acts. Not that she acts poorly. I act immaturely. A couple of you sighed like I said something wrong. I did. (laughs) But anyway, the last 20 years, Katie has given to me one of the greatest gifts a woman could give a man. The gift of becoming two, becoming one, becoming a wife, and the gift of obtaining my name, a Jake's. You all know her for the most part. Almost every one of her, every one of you is Jake's. You don't know her as Katie Ward. See, for nearly half her life, She has been known as Katie Jakes. And what an honor and a thrill for me that she would love me enough to bear my identity, to be known as a Jakes. She just spent a month with our family, and our extended family was there quite a bit. And I think that right now you might ask her, how does it feel to be a Jake? Please don't ask her, okay? Just wait for a few months. Some of the dysfunction wears away for a little bit, and she forgets. But what incredible love, what an incredible uh, woman that would do that. And same with you, for those of you who are married. What an incredible gift, women, you give to us. You'll say, I will bear your name. Your identity will be my identity. Jesus has given us his name. And he says to us, I'm going to love you so much that I want your identity to be my identity. That for you and me to be seen as one, one family is the father and son are one in spirit. So should we be one with him. Jesus loves us enough. What an incredible love affair that God of the universe, the triune God would have for us. That he would say, I love you so much. I want you to bear my identity. 
I want you to bear my name. Our identity in this world, first and foremost, should be Christian. Follower of Christ. Citizens of heaven. Home, they say, is where the heart is. And it's true. For those of you who have traveled, no matter where you go, there's something about just getting back home where the comfort of your own bed and your own surrounding. And you just kind of say, you know, home is really where that heart is. And what Jesus is telling us through the Spirit in this passage is this. Your identity should be found in me. I've loved you enough to give you my, da- my name. It, would have co- it cost me my life. But I want you to be known as mine, my family, citizens of heaven, my identity. I want all that you do to tell my story. And I want your heart. You see, home is where the heart is. And he wants our hearts first and foremost. So this identity, being a Christian, begins with a love affair. A love affair that he's initiated with us. A love affair that he would call us his own and make us his own in Christ Jesus. To give us our identity in him. But what he wants us more than anything is to love him. Love him as Father. Love him as Savior. Feel the joy of walking in His Spirit. And knowing our identity. It's not as your last name. It's not as what you do on your business card. Your identity is not as a homemaker or as a mom. Ultimately, your identity, Christian, is with Him. That's what it gives us. This incredible privilege of being citizens of heaven. We find our identity. But not only that, we find our authority. The second thing is we find our authority, including in those 4,300 miles of travel. My family, by God's grace, was able to negotiate these highways to the Mecca of all restaurants. And believe me, I know the Mecca of all restaurants. At least the Mecca of all chicken wing restaurants. We went to Cavallo's. If you've ever been to Cavallo's, I promise you, you've never eaten buffalo wings until you've eaten Cavallo's. They're the best, hands down. They are incredible. I mean, they are so exponentially better than anything else you've ever had that may look or taste like a chicken wing. You may never eat them again. And if you go to Cavallo's with me, let me just tell you right now, I'm ordering everything for you. Forget the menus. Forget having your own voice. I am, it's in my hometown. I grew up there. I know what to order. All right? When you weigh as much as I do, I know what to order. Just trust me. You aren't going to believe this. We made our way back, made a special trip to stop at this little restaurant. The lady who waited on us was waiting on me when I was 15 years old. She's the same one. And I didn't want to say anything like, ma'am, are you the same one that's been here for all those years? Isn't that a nice thing to say to a waitress? So how old are you? I mean, have you ever heard of Methuselah? Um, I made up for it, left her a nice tip. But we started to order, and I ordered medium wings. And immediately, my 15-year-old son, JP, started to mock me. Medium wings. Jake's eat extra hot wings. That's all we eat. <laughs> what are you doing, Dad? You getting a little soft on his dad? No more hot wing? I said, no, no. I know how to order. I know that at Cavallo's, a medium is hot, is extra hot anywhere you get in Florida. Trust me. I'm the authority. Trust me. I know how to order. <laughs> and I was right. but truthfully it's an irritating habit I have I want to order for you because I want you to experience the very best the way I see it and I want you to experience what I experience I want you to to savor it 
And so that way, and I got this annoying habit. I always order for the people I'm with. No, 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 you, you want to get this. Trust me. I don't like fish. I don't care. You're eating it. <laughs> it is irritating, and you can pray for me. It's one of the things you can add on there. Because truthfully, I don't have that authority. And truthfully, you have your own tastes, and you have your own likes, and some of you might even be vegetarians. I don't know why, but you may be. You may not like a chicken wing. I don't know why, but I don't have that authority. Here's the deal. You see, as citizens of heaven, God really does have the authority to tell us what to order in life. He really does. He really, truly does know what's best. He really does know what's best to give us life and life abundantly. But you know, we don't always think so. Sometimes we want to go through life like a cafeteria and say, okay, God, this I accept is good, this is I accept is good, but you tell me to eat this, but it tastes like spinach, and I don't want it. God, you tell me not to do this with my life, but really, I want to do it because it feels good, and it makes me look good, and I, I want to do it, and I'm going to do it. But the truth is, as citizens of heaven, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, those that by God's grace are filled with the Spirit, He has the authority to order for us. And here's what's beautiful. He knows what's best. And he wants what's best for us. So if you're a young person here today and God says, wait to have sex before you're married. Did I say that right? Yes, I did. I want to make sure I get that right with four kids. <laughs> when God says, young people, that the best sex a guy could ever have is that in a marriage uh, uh, blessed by him, he knows best. And for us to choose anything different is to saying, you don't have authority over this part of my life. Married couple, men, for God to say, God wants us to be pure. He wants us to love our wives as Christ has loved the church. He wants us to flee from all sexual immorality. God knows best. Women, when God says, love, love your, for those of you who are married, love your husbands and, and submit to them as, as unto Christ in a way that's holy and honorable. It's not something that we can say, you got authority in my life sometimes, but you don't in others. Listen, is it not true? Is he God or God? And if he's God and we're citizens of heaven and part of his family, his word is it. Right? And don't we need to repent a bit and be honest with one another and say we go through life like a cafeteria saying, I want this, this, and that. And God, you can have this part and this part, but hands off over here, God. Citizens of heaven, what does it mean is he's got authority over our lives. Not only that, it's our loyalty. Citizens of Heaven, we found our loyalty. I had this great privilege on Friday. I love doing these things. Uh, the uh, fire chief asked me to come down to City Hall on Friday and give the invocation. There was a few new firemen being sworn into the line of duty, and there was a few promotions. And they asked me to come and to give the invocation, which I love to do. And anytime you walk into something like that, especially with a fire department or with a police department, I mean, there's a family there, is it not? I mean, it's unbelievable the loyalty that they have for one another, probably because they're willing to lay their lives down for one another. 
it was great. It started off like this. There was a few words, and there was only one cop in the whole place. Everybody else was a fireman. And, of course, what are they going to do? They're going to rip on the one cop. And the guy stands up and says, well, there's one here that's on a uniform. He's wearing a green uniform, Orange County deputy. And do you know what happens to those of us who fail out of fire department school? They become policemen. And they all laughed and pointed, ha, ha, And I got up to, to uh, say my invocation. I said, you know what happens to those who fail out of policeman school? They become pastors. <laughs> Some truth to that. But as I prayed, I was so honored to be a part of that community. And there's such loyalty there. Let me read their mission statement. This came out of a little flyer they handed out. The mission statement for the... Uh, Fire Department, Rescue Department. The mission of the Maitland Fire Rescue Department is to provide... Now listen, you got to listen to me. I'm reading, but I want you to listen. Because could, this could be our mission statement. The mission of the Maitland Fire Rescue Department is to provide superior quality emergency and non-emergency customer service to the residents of Maitland, visitors, and neighboring communities. We are committed to serve with the highest standard uh, and of integrity in a, a courteous manner to protect life, property, and the environment. Wow, what an incredible mission statement. I think they, they do it very, very well. And I think that there's an incredible privilege they see to lay down their life for one another. It brings loyalty. You just can't live, eat, and sleep with somebody and run into a burning building and know that they got your back and not feel some loyalty. You just can't come into worship and look to a cross and realize that a Savior is willing to give his life for us to make us a part of the family and not feel some incredible loyalty. One who says, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. I know you feel you're in a burning building. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never change my mind about you. I'm bringing you home, and you're going to make it. You are mine, and nothing can snatch you out of my hands. And for that, we just not only find incredible love, we find where our loyalty lies, his loyalty to us, and our loyalty to him. And lastly, it's responsibility. As citizens of heaven, we found our responsibility. I love this. It says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, this is one of the biggest plagues of the church today. Right now, here's what it is. One of the biggest plagues of the church today is this. What do we do while we wait? What do we do while we wait? Okay, great. I'm a citizen in heaven. Great. That's where I'm going to find my identity. Great. That's where I got my authority. I got that now. Okay, great. That's where my loyalty has got to be. But what do we do while we wait? Are we supposed to create a little Christian subculture and just get away from it all? Are we supposed to just mess with everybody else and it doesn't matter because we can't do anything anyway on our own? Or are we supposed to live our lives in a way that makes a difference? Sometimes I feel like most Christians feel like God has said to them, okay, son, sit in the car and don't touch anything. Sit there and wait till I get back. And you better not touch anything because if you do, you might mess it up. I don't know. There's a lot of issues in our family. Um, I don't know what happened to my dad, um, but for some reason he feels like he's got to work 24 hours a day. And if he's awake, he's working, he's doing something productive. Isn't that a terrible feeling? He's got to do something. 
For those lounge lizards like me that love just sitting by the lake and watching the sunset, he's working tirelessly. And for those of you dads who do that, it really makes your kids feel guilty. I just want you to know that, all right? And it takes away some of our enjoyment of real recreation. But it really is a beautiful thing to see. Even uh, a man who is well into his retirement years, how productive he is. Uh, at my folks' little cottage, he owns a barn. I don't know why. We don't have a field, but we have a barn. We have not one but two tractors, okay? And they're really cool tractors. And he's nonstop working. Well, one day he built a couple of platforms. They look like sawhorses, maybe. They were made out of two-by-four planks and put together. And um, he made them one day, and he set them up against a tree right by our fire pit. And that's a tree we always put things to burn. Well, one night, it was a great night for a fire with a family around the uh, fire pit right by the lake, so I started a fire. As a matter of fact, to tell you the truth, I was going to tell you this. Kids, this is not a smart thing. I started with gasoline. Almost, almost exploded the entire... I mean, I thank God I have eyebrows. That's all I got to say. But it, it started. Didn't have a lot of wood. And I thought, man, look at this wonderful contraption. And it, man, if I set this over the fire pit, and this would be like a teepee, this thing will burn. And I'm telling you, it burned beautiful. I mean, I had, the, I had the best fire of the summer. I mean, it was incredible. People were talking about it. They were. And the next day, my dad comes out. And he's just shaking his head. Just, just tell me. Just tell me you didn't. Just, just tell me. What, Dad? What? Did you burn what I just built? And you lean up and go, yeah, I burned it. I had no idea. I, th- I, I thought it was throwaway. I just burned your stuff right up. I'll help you fix a new one. No, 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 really. It's okay. Sometimes we think as Christians that if we do it, we're just going to burn it up. We're just going to mess it up. You know, we've got to wait until Jesus gets back and tells us what to do and so we don't mess it up too bad. But that's never been God's A plan. It's not what he's calling us to do. Church, listen, it's very important. I was away. I read an article that was sent to me um, and it talked about the church and the kingdom and it, and a lot of things we've been talking about with the kingdom. And it's someone who has a different eschatological view than we do or that I do. Um, and that's a big word. And it really means an understanding of end times. It's one of those things I told you earlier that we just got to understand God's word because it's so much there. But he wrote these things. And it really it just broke my heart. Because here's what he says. He says this. God never called the church to salvage a lost world which is to one day come under divine judgment, but to preach a saving gospel to lost men. I cannot overemphasize the above fact too strongly. The church will never bring in the kingdom. Christ alone will accomplish that at his coming. Now there's some truth to that. We can't bring in the kingdom until it's fullest. Jesus has got to come. But it's not true that we are not called to savage, to to save a ravaged and lost world. That's why we are here. We are here for his glory. Yes, to proclaim the good news that sinners like us can be saved by grace through the work of Jesus Christ. But we are his ambassadors. We are his family. We are citizens of heaven. We are called to bring the good news to this creation, all of creation. The earth matters. He created it. Culture matters. He created it. People matter. It's not just about saving souls. Yes, there's a primacy in that. But do you see how handcuffed that theology is? 
What they're really saying is throw the world away. It doesn't matter. He's going to just come and destroy it anyway. Pull out those who you can. No, no. We're more like the firemen. We got to preserve life and property, environment. Because we're citizens of heaven. You know what we are? This is so beautiful. We are a colony of heaven. That's that last fill-in. We're a colony of heaven. God has placed us here to show the world what it is like to see Jesus as king. That's a colony of heaven. We are here to be representing him. We are here so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are here showing the world that he still loves this world. We are here as a colony of believers proclaiming the good news of Christ to live radically different than those who aren't citizens of heaven. We're left here as the authentic emblem that God is in charge and he's good and he loves us. And unbelievably, we are here to live such holy lives as 2 Peter 3 tells us. To live holy lives that we speed the day of the Lord's coming. We're here to reflect his goodness, his love, and his mercy. Listen, Christian, we're here to advance his kingdom. We're here as citizens of heaven to proclaim good news and what it means to love him. We are here to represent our home. To live as those who are truly free. To really, really love our king. And to be obedient. I read a Stephen Ambrose book this year that made me probably love America even more. It was uh, Undaunted Courage. It's a story of uh, Lewis and Clark. And I love Stephen Ambrose. Uh, He's no longer living, but he's written a lot of great history stuff. And one of my favorite books of his is a World War II book called Citizen Soldier. And it really, it, it talks about how we... The U.S. was able to win World War II with Yankee ingenuity. Now, I'm a big Yankee fan, I know that, but it doesn't have anything to do with the New York Yankees or even being up north. Yankee ingenuity was the fact that we were a citizen army. In World War II, men and women went to support their country to win a war. And they went as citizens of the United States. And they went bringing any gift and ability that God had given them to win this war. And it's amazing uh, what Ambrose says is this. He says, when we fought the Germans, especially after we invaded Normandy, and we found out that we're, there were some uh, natural barriers in our way, things called hedge groves, that our tanks couldn't get around. And I talked about how, as Americans, how we as citizens brought all of our ingenuity as, as, as mechanics, as, as builders, as farmers, to the battlefield. And how... On the German side, everything had to go up the ranks. And no one could really move until someone above them said, go. But it was the U.S. ingenuity as citizen soldiers that took what God had given to them and used it on the battlefield to win. Listen, that's who we are. We're citizens of heaven. We're soldiers for the king. He's called us and has powered us, no matter what it is, as a mom, as a housewife, as a businesswoman, as a businessman, as a student. You're a citizen of heaven first and foremost, but you're also a soldier for the king. 
And he, what he wants us to do is, is, I've given each of you different gifts. Some of you are marksmen. Uh, some of you are more like cooks. Uh, some of you are on the front line and some of you are on the back. But every single one of us need to act as citizen soldiers for the king, using whatever we have to bring total victory for Jesus. Oh, what an incredible privilege of ours to be his ambassadors and carry his love to this world. The worship team is going to come forward and we're going to sing a closing song. And it's carry your love. Carry his love to the world. What do we do while we wait? What do we do while we wait? You know what we do? We're citizens of heaven. We find our identity in him. What do we do while we wait? We're citizens of heaven. We find our authority in him. What he says goes. We're citizens of heaven. We find our loyalty to him. He laid his life down for us. What a privilege is ours to give him back the life he's given to us. We're citizens of heaven. We have a responsibility as citizen soldiers to advance Christ's kingdom, to proclaim the good news to a dying world around us. We, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my dear beloved Orangewood family, we have the privilege of carrying his love to a sick and dying world. Let us pray. Father God, I pray for each one of us. I pray for those, Father, who have yet to embrace Christ as Savior and they're not able to say today that they are citizens of heaven. God, I pray that because of your love and the work of your Son, that you would give them the gift of faith, that even today, in the quietness of their heart, in these few moments, that they would realize that this is something I'm not a part of, and they'd acknowledge their sin and embrace you as Savior. But Father, for the rest who are yours, may we look at the sacrifice of Jesus and say, wow, what an incredible privilege to be a part of God's family. And Father, may we truly find our identity there. May we truly find our authority there. May we truly find our loyalty there. And God, may we carry your love to a dying world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand and sing.